Hi there. Welcome to the second episode of the Through the Woods podcast. And in case you didn't hear the first one, it's a collection of conversations about the difficulties, both mental and physical, that affects the people in the world of music. In this episode, Nick Barraclough is speaking to Georgia Mason. She's also known as the artist Sharky. We've been friends for a couple of years and I've had the privilege to record some percussion on her latest release. Ironically, I think I might actually owe her money as I'm fairly certain my attempts to play authentic Indian drums like a stadium bass drum may have left them slightly tattered. Apart from the fantastic person that she is, let alone her talent, I was drawn to her story. In fact, her artist name used to be just what it says on the tin, Georgia Mason. With just a small internet search, you can see that this artist name was building quite a buzz, attracting attention from Grammy award-winning producer Jimmy Hogarth and was receiving the next big star label from a few different media sources. It's easy to think that major label interest is the gold at the end of the rainbow, but I'm not sure it is. Before this though, she was studying at the Academy of Contemporary Music. Uh, I started on a vocal diploma and then I did a high diploma in vocals. Started my degree when I was 18 um, and I dropped out. Why did you drop out? I went from being a singer that was fighting to perform and at the front of the class to back of the class and I thought this isn't good for me so I left. We talked to a lot of people about this particularly from ACM and about that atmosphere at college and to what extent the pressure is positive, making you get on with it and do it, and to what extent it's killing mm. and, de- uh, and demoralizing because mm-hmm. of the comment. Which was it for you? It's tricky because at ACM when I was there, there was a whole change around of teaching staff and head of vocals as I entered into my degree. And I think being a creature of habit as well and a teenager and thinking the world's against you, I preferred the way it was before. And I have I have quite an odd voice. Um, it is Marmite. Uh, you know, I entered into degree in getting up and performing to the class. And a lot of my teachers were, there was one specifically who was very much kind of, um, if you carry on with that technique, you're, you won't have a voice at 25. Um, but without much help on, on me building and I could have definitely driven it to make that a good situation for myself. So he was telling you the problems without giving you the answers. Yeah, and I, but, but although, you know, with hindsight, I could have gone, well, help me, let's construct this. I went, I don't care. I don't like you. I don't like this school, you know? So, yeah, my confidence was diminishing to the point where I wasn't doing well in my exams, so I, I left. Well, that was your experience with tutors. What about the, your fellow students? The first two years, my class was amazing. And there was a real mix of creativity. Um, a, lot of, a lot of them I'm still friends with, and their music is great. You kind of always knew that they would continue making music and would just be really cool artists. So my first two years, it was really healthy, competitive energy in our classrooms, and I really grew. 
degree was a tricky one. The classes were a bit bigger and um, I didn't really gel with the students. But a couple of years, even though you dropped out, was better than not doing anything at all? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I grew loads. I joined a gospel choir and we ended up doing like quite well. We did a television show. And that actually led, the exposure I got on that television show with my choir was what led to me then embarking on a solo career. Okay. Um, I got kind of seen there and, you know, grew from there. But we've heard from drummers and other instrumentalists that it would be drilled into them that if they're not practicing until their fingers bleed literally, mm -hmm. then th they're not up to it or they're not showing the commitment. Did mm. you? Was there an equivalent for a singer? I did really enjoy the lessons. I had no understanding of, I didn't know any music theory. I didn't have, uh, I didn't know what ear training was. I didn't know what any of that kind of stuff. So there's a lot that I learned that now I use in my everyday musical career now. So there were skills that I learned, but actually the encouragement to practice and improve, um, putting your, what is it, your 10,000 hours. I didn't ever feel that push, no. So what happened after college? My choir and I did the television show. It was on BBC One. I was picked, so there was 20 girls and eight boys, and I was picked for a lot of the interviews. They came to my house and, like, it was really funny. They kind of came to my house and, like, rearranging furniture and got my mum, like, really tight. My mum and dad, like, really tidied up and sat looking all cute and did interviews and stuff. It was really funny. And I think I got a solo on the show and stuff, which I think helped with a little bit of exposure for me because um, I didn't, I didn't want to be an artist. I had no interest. I'd never written a song before. I didn't even know how to. A teacher I really admire once told me that all the touring, the recording, and the very high standard of musicianship that they'd achieved had never been written in stone. They never aimed to be the top in a particular music field or to get the particular gigs they found themselves in. I think something can be said for balancing specific long-term goals with just following the passions that take you right now the present because I guess you never truly know where they will take you and I think there's more value in the art itself rather than the material ways that we value success sometimes and what did you think you were going to be then what, what was your I wanted to be a backing vocalist did you yeah I really did yeah I wanted to like go on tours and because you I should say here I made a documentary for Radio 4 on the art of the backing vocals. Mm. It was called R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Oh, great. Um, so I've talked to a lot of people about backing, about backing vocals, vocalists who said, yeah, all I want to do is stand at the back of the stage and be in a supporting role because mm. I can just lose myself in that. And I don't envy the artist at the front in any way at all. So we've got to come from that, really, to, to, to that point. Mm. Where, uh, what made you think, actually, hang on, quite fancy getting up the front I think it was just opportunities that came to me and I was like well all right then yeah okay I'll try it yeah I'll do it yeah when when me and my choir finished the show I remember we were on a coach ACM gospel choir I'm still a part of it now so been in it for over 10 years but yeah we were on our way back on a coach and I got a call from a guy that was like I've seen you on the telly I think you're great love your voice um have you ever written songs and I was like no um, and he said, are you playing any gigs? I was like, well, no, um, but I can organise a little covers gig at my local pub if you want. And he came along for that and he ended up being my first manager for a bit. 
and introduced me to people to then begin songwriting. And it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like co-writing sessions. So I'd kind of go into someone's studio and they'd build a track and, you know, we'd chat about what I wanted to write about and stuff. And so I, you know, I didn't love the music I was making, but I was enjoying the process. It was a whole new thing for me. I was doing that for quite some time with this first manager. And then I kind of spoke with him a lot about the kind of artists I was into um, we were trying to kind of build it. He was trying to build a path for me to meet some people that maybe worked with the kind of artists I liked. And yeah, he introduced me to uh, the guy who would then be my producer and label through my love of Sia at the time. She was making great albums. I really liked her. And so he had produced one of her albums. Am I right in thinking you had an approach from, from a major? So yeah, th with that label was a subsidiary of Universal. So the heads of my label was the head of Universal and my producer. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a small artist developing label. But you've ended up dealing with independence. What now? Where I'm at now? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you say that like it's uh, something that you prefer. I don't know. It, it's I'm open to anything now. Um, I'm a lot older now and I'm, I, feel, I feel like I'm a lot smarter. When I was younger, my whole journey came from people uh, encouraging me and, to, and trying lots of new things, but I had no clue about what my sound was. I didn't know who I was because I was so young. My family were having a few issues which were making me scatterbrained. So I think it, I would still be open to working with a major label now if it was the right thing for me and if uh, the people that I have around me also thought it was a good idea. But I really love the the way that independent labels are really booming now. Like, I, I don't think you need to be with a major anymore and there's, there's so much freedom to do so much by yourself, which is really liberating for an artist. Mm. So I'd love, to, I'd love to do that. I, I assume that... Um that things have changed dramatically from when I was doing stuff like that and that now women have a stronger voice for, as far as their careers are concerned as men do. Have, do you feel that's the case? Yeah, definitely. I think as well, like, I've... Maybe it's a woman thing, but I think also, for me, it was definitely an age thing. Like, I was 18 when I signed. So I, I just... If anyone said, you know oh, this, this, do this, this is cool, do this. I'd go, well, all right then, cool, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I, I just didn't, I, I didn't understand enough to go, oh, actually, I'm not sure about that. I want, you know, I just didn't have any kind of experience, so I just went into anything. But now that I'm older, it's nice because I can, I've built a team around myself that are amazing and really supportive of me and, um, encouraging so I can just grow and do my thing and yeah and you've built it around yourself there isn't a unit that came to you but you've that I'd, I'd like to use you and you and you I yeah I yeah That's, yeah I didn't realize I did make all those choices yeah I wrote some songs on my own when I was 24 everything had kind of ended with my development deal and um, I'd left everybody that I was signed to um, in good spirits 
and I was a little bit lost for a couple of years, didn't really know if I wanted to do music anymore. Why did that come to an end? So I was signed to a development deal. Once I had made a certain amount of songs worthy of an album, a major within the Universal family, because I was kind of on the outsides, would hopefully take up the option to take me on. So I then went into a lot of showcasing. I did two rounds of showcasing in uh, Bush Studios, and I performed with a band to all the majors, and nobody took up the option. And that was two times round that we tried that, and nobody took up the option, so my time was kind of up, really. It's hell, isn't it, showcasing? Yeah, especially for somebody like me that wanted to be a backing vocalist and those at the front. <laughs> and you were showcasing more than just your songs. Obviously, you're showcasing yourself mm -hmm. and the way you look mm -hmm. and the way you project yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're a backing vocalist, you wear black and you stand there. Yeah, and you're not to be looked doesn't at. Matter. Yeah. But you were when you're doing your showcasing. How did you adjust to that, to the your physical presence, to the fact that yeah, Ariana Grande and so on, uh, sell their shows on sex as much as they do on their music, if not mm. more than they do. Yeah. Obviously there's a pressure mm. on a girl in her 20s to do that. Yeah, definitely. I think I've always had a good control over it, over it. Nobody's ever told me what I should wear. I would always kind of do my thing and it would be like, that looks cool. So no, nobody has, nobody said, have you ever, have you thought about wearing this? Have you I've had about? one time ever that I, and I was so young and even then I didn't really register it like I register it now. My first manager, um, we parted ways quite early on into me signing a new contract. He was quite often trying to encourage me to work with a personal trainer because he thought I should lose weight. Because he thought, you know, it, it was about image and that's the only time. And I remember coming away and talking to my mum about it and I think my mum, I was kind of like, well, maybe that would be cool, you know. And my mum was kind of looking at me, I'll never forget, she was like, mm-mm. That's not cool. You you are who you are, you know. Um, but otherwise, I've always worn my own clothes. Sometimes I've gone for a photo shoot and, you know, kind of let people do stuff. And then I've looked at it and gone, oh, no, 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 that's not me. Yeah. But that's cool. No one's gone, no, 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 it is. It, I've always gone, oh, yeah, that was cool to try that, but no. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've definitely, I feel quite lucky in my progression throughout the industry. Because it's been 10 years, more than 10 years. No, 10 years. And I feel like I've been quite lucky with that. I would always go to the shops and pick out my outfit and rock up in a pair of boots and everyone would be like, oh, they look great. I'm like, yeah, don't they? They look great. So yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that. You are who you are. Damn, that's a good quote. There were two significant things that engaged her personal creativity. Staying authentic to herself and consciously choosing who she surrounds her music with. That way her and her songs are completely supported. Any musician worth his or her salt is gonna have some anxiety because mm. you're gonna worry about whether you're delivering or not and whether you're keeping your standard up or not. Uh, and some just take it, it's part of the gig, it's part of what we do and we have to cope with that naturally and for some people they need it to you know, drive them on. For other people, it's debilitating. Have you have you suffered from anxiety or depression re related to your 
your career so far? Yeah, definitely. When um, things started kind of slowing down with my sessions, um, you know, the, the majors hadn't taken up the option. I had released an EP and it had done okay, um, but I'd never really had a good manager in place. I'd really struggled to find a good, ma like the right manager. I think I had been through, within those few years, I'd been through three um, and it just hadn't ever really quite worked out. I think when, when it all started to slow down, I did kind of hit a bit of a low. I didn't have much money and I had to move back home to all the shops. Just thinking about those showcases you were talking about, you go along and you do it and you put your all into it and this day could be the biggest day of my life and I'm gonna do it and then you do it and nothing comes from it. Mm. How do you cope with that? That's people saying we don't want you. To be honest, I don't like to admit it, but I, I would get quite blamey on everybody else. Um, you know, I'd, I'd get quite annoyed about it. And yeah, I suppose I'd, I'd be quite, um, I wouldn't see the bigger picture because I, I don't think I was always necessarily putting in 100% because I was quite young and I didn't really know what I should have been doing. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. Like with my social websites and all, all those kind of things, I didn't, I didn't really know exactly how I could be attacking this too that would have helped me have a stronger point at getting to that position that you I was You were happy to for. say to yourself, it's their loss. Yeah, well, yeah, I was kind of, I was just angry at everybody. And yeah, so then I ended up moving back home. Um, yeah, and it, it wasn't good for me for a little while. But during that low point, I started writing all the songs that now have propelled me into a whole new experience, so. So would it be romantic to suggest then that you're, um, you're upset at that bit not working that provided an impetus for you to get on with it and write and mm, yeah and discover myself at this point I think I always used to go into writing sessions when I was younger when I was within that deal and they were great and I met some amazing people and the experiences were great but um when that ended I wasn't doing any writing sessions anymore I didn't have anybody to go in and uh, collaborate with um, and I didn't really have the energy to source it myself or the confidence. And I moved back to Aldershot, so I was like quite a while out of town to go and just pop in for a session with somebody for, for the day. So I um, picked up my auto harp and wrote like loads of songs on it. I wrote loads and loads of songs, real kind of moody, sassy songs. Um, on an auto harp? Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, I, I was bought it actually once as a gift um, because as much as I love co-writing sessions, sometimes when you're in a co-writing session with somebody and they're really doing the music side of things and your top line and melody and lyrics and stuff, it's it can get frustrating when the music is going somewhere and you're like, oh, I just wish I had the, the knowledge to go, oh, actually, I really want to take it uh, here. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I'd always sing yeah. to them or I'd sing to somebody I've been being with. And if you're really dealing with that person, they kind of really work hard to get to where you're trying to guide them with your limited knowledge, musical knowledge. But sometimes I'd come home frustrated and it would be a whole day's work and I'd kind of listen back to the song and go, 
oh, I, I like that bit, but it didn't, I, I, it's not, I'm not sold on it. And then maybe that day would have been wasted, you know? So I, I was bought the auto harp as a gift to give me a little bit of control because it's easy, you just press buttons. I loved it and I wrote loads of stuff on it and, and the songs now that I'm releasing under my new artist name, the first four, I think the first four I wrote, I wrote on auto harp. So. I think that's fantastic. I'm sure everyone knows someone who's made the joke. We're a band of trained musicians. Oh yeah, and a drummer. Any stigma on less harmony-based instruments didn't even slightly get in George's way. She'd even gig on the auto harp. Training can be invaluable, but it's refreshing to hear that it doesn't need to get in the way. It's at this point that I'd like to bring your parents in, if they were here, and find out what it is that they imbued in you. Because it's, it, it comes through from all of this that there's a, a steel core running through you that won't be beaten. Mm. And so many people I know, that we all know, who fell at the first fence, mm. the first knockback, and they say, right, it's not for me. Incredibly talented, gifted people who said, no, no, it's not, not going to happen. What are your parents like with you generally about pursuing this career? Oh, I love, my, my, my parents were great when I was young. I, how do I say this? So when, I'll start from when I was little. Always music playing in the house. My mum and dad were polar opposites in taste. My dad was um, the Jam, Paul Weller, The Who, um, Real Mod. He always had Lambrettas. He was part of the Scooter Club, um, Northern Soul, that kind of stuff. And my mum was like Madonna, Janet Jackson, Pop, Gabrielle. So I really liked... You'd hang out with mum, you'd get that style of music. You'd hang out with dad, you'd get that style of music. Um, and then when I was 14, I started singing backing vocals in my dad's Paul Weller tribute band. And they they would play really, like they'd play big like um, town halls or theatres and stuff. And uh, on the local gigs, my dad would take me. And the band would learn like two of my favourite songs or two songs that my dad would choose that he thought would really suit my voice and challenge me and I'd get up in front of their crowd and my dad would really you know be like right come on everybody cheer it's my daughter <laughs> so I got I always got quite a warm welcome which was good and so they were right behind that. you and when you started so many parents will say look it's a lovely idea and it's a you know lovely thought being a musician and um you know <laughs> Have a go, and that's very sweet. But of course, the time will come when you'll need to get a proper job. Yeah, well, my mum and dad weren't like that at all. And I actually, I started rebelling against it a little bit because they were really like, be a singer, be oh, a really? singer. And they re and you rebelled against that? <laughs> I rebelled against it because I was like, when ACM, the opportunity of ACM came up, which was only around the corner for us in Aldershot, um, my mum and dad really wanted me to go. And I said, no, I want to be a hairdresser. And I just started an apprenticeship in a salon. And... I was really enjoying that. I just got to chat all the time. It was great. But my mum kind of said to me, look, I really want you to try this. I understand if you don't want to do it, will you just send in the audition tape and then we'll speak no more of it. And there was a competition going at ACM. If you sent in your tape and they liked it, you could get a scholarship, like a year paid. I came second, so I got half of my fees uh, cut off. So my mum and dad only had to pay half of the fees for a year and uh my mum was like please 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 do it you've won you like you've come second you have to do this so I did and uh loved it 
as soon as I started, I, it was it was so the right place for me, and I really my confidence went boom. And right through your ups and downs, the, those early years, they would they'd say, "Come on, you can." Oh yeah, 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 definitely. My um, it got a little bit harder when I was within the label because they went through a separation, and my dad was going through a really really hard time and wasn't really present. It was harder then. Not to say they were they weren't supportive, but it was it was different. Yeah, individually rather than together. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's, there was just so many things, and also I'd moved away from home, and and I was experiencing things in the music industry that they didn't understand, like you know, advances and contracts and things. And my mum would always try her absolute hardest, and she'd keep everything in a binded folder for me, and you know, try her best to help me and guide me. But there was a lot of stuff that they they didn't quite understand. I mean, the trajectory of your career has been fascinating, really, because you, you beat off the opposition early on by sticking at it and mm. writing your songs and coming through, and now things are really on the up. Mm. Yeah. And, how, and how do you anticipate dealing with the pressures, that, the new and different pressures that you could have? I still have my times, I, um, my moments. I clam up. I feel like my way of being anxious nowadays is like, I just, I can't, I, my body won't do it. Like, I can't do it. I can't think about it at that point. I can't, uh, this morning I, I was nervous about today with you. I was nervous because I, I get quite shy talking and uh, clammed up for a bit. Had to have a little minute to just mm -hmm. be like, well, I'm not going to cancel because that would be really stupid. Um, and I know that I need to do this to grow and to, um, build my confidence. You know, I have so to your do reaction like to to stresses coming up has been to to freeze and mm. to um, to say no to yeah. be like no, and I still have those moments. I'm really lucky because my now producer is my boyfriend, fiance, who I live with, and he is great. So like this morning, I you know, I, when I come up. He's so good at calming me down and just talking me through it. And he's part of my team. And then I have an amazing manager now. And I have Todd's brother, uh, Speak Me Sound. So Todd, my boyfriend, and his brother are in Speak Me Sound. They've produced everything. They're like my family. So I, I, feel, I feel like I have a space to be anxious if I need to be anxious. And I've got people that, you know. You've got space to be anxious and people who can... And, and Catch it. yeah, and and encourage me, or you know, it's, I don't feel. I I definitely I had a great team when I was younger, and especially because my dad wasn't around. Um, my producer when I was younger, um, and signed, he was lovely, and there was a real part of my relationship with him that was a bit of a father figure, and somebody that I really needed at that time. So yeah, it wasn't like terrible back then, but now I definitely I've got the best team I could dream of and I think it's really showing in in my creativity because you know we, we can do whatever there's there's no box around the music we're making or um and I have so much control and I can be shy or I can be really loud and and outspoken and and feel like I'm I'm in a safe space you know so I think that's really going to show with moving forward with this music. I think you've kind of just answered the last thing I was going to ask you, which is anybody listening to this now who is suffering from self-doubt, 
the sort of anxiety that we've been talking about, mainly the, the self-doubt thing and the insecurity, which the business always brings anyway. It is mm. by definition insecure. What would you say to that person? I hope this is relevant. There's something that I have been doing for a few years um, that I feel has feel really, really allowed me to to grow and become quite in touch with myself, which has allowed me to ask myself questions what do you want to move forward? Do you want to make music? What kind of music do you want to make? How are you feeling? All those kind of things. And I have Georgia days where um, I just search out, it's just something that I want to do. Obviously it's fit around my interests. So it would be going to a gallery or going to see a, a building that I've been really into or going for a walk somewhere. And I just try and take that time to be by myself to allow myself to really sit and be with myself and ask myself a few questions about what I want. And I feel like, uh, for me personally, images, um, so if I'm to go to a gallery, I feel like images and artwork and things like that really ignite me for my creativity. So I've just kind of worked out what my strengths are, where my strengths lie and where, my ins where I can draw inspiration from. I hope that's a good. That's, that's a very a good that's absolutely yeah. A Georgia the, day. Georgia day. Yeah. yeah. Take a day for you. Like think if you were to have a day completely for yourself, what would you do? And you know, make yourself every now and again. I try and do it like once every two months. I have a Georgia day, and my best my housemate Imogen, who I call Jenny, if she's feeling a bit like because she does music as well, if she's feeling a little bit like oh I don't know I'm like have a Jenny day. You need a Jenny day. You need to really sit with yourself and really have a little think and let yourself be inspired by things, draw from other things and let it inspire you and see what see what comes out. And then go back and, go back and be sharky the next yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why sharky, by the way? I love sharks. Do you? Yeah, when I was a little girl, um, my dad would stand me on the table in the pub and be like, tell everybody about the sharks then, George. And I'd be like, well, <laughs> like three years old. <laughs> Well, have you guys got time? Loved them. And I, yeah, I needed a different name. I need, I, you know, I had to come away from Georgia Mason because I've released music under Georgia Mason and, you know, it's, this is a new, a new thing. I think Sharky really works. And my friend told me as well that he met a girl in a bar in LA. This is kind of what sold it to me. He said he met this smoking hot girl in a bar in LA and she was called Sharky and he'll never forget her. And I thought, yeah, that's good enough. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm already feeling like I'm struggling, whether it be my thoughts on how I sound in a musical sense or even financially, the idea of cutting myself some slack really sounds like the opposite of what I should be doing. It's more because I'm not working hard enough. But if I actually prize myself away from the drums that I'm physically shouting at, or the laptop that won't do exactly what I want it to, an Oscar day can really help. It takes away a rational perspective by distancing myself from the emotional side. For me, I think Georgia nailed it. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode. It really means a lot to know that people are listening to our hard work. And if you'd like to have any further contact or to hear more perspectives, please come visit us at throughthewoods.online. Georgia Mason was interviewed by Nick Barraclough. Music was by Oscar Reynolds and it was mixed by Mikhail Zalik.